art is really something brilliant for for creative people and, and lovers. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. Each week I chat with artists who use print-based media to do something beyond the expected. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Gilzambrano. Together we speak to printmakers around the globe about their practice and passions in the world of printmaking. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. And we all know that these products do not use themselves, and that is why Speedball works with a fantastic lineup of contemporary printmakers who make up the Speedball team of demo artists. Artists like Raj Banak, star of episode 40 of the Hello Print Friend podcast. Raj is known for his monumental dreamlike woodcuts, which address historical and present-day racist violence and politics within the United States. So if you'd like to learn a few tricks of the trade and expand and improve your practice, head on over to Speedball's YouTube channel and see how it's done. There's a link in the show notes. Hello Print Friend is also brought to you by McLean's Printmaking Supplies, who've been dedicated to the art and artists of relief printmaking since 1979. The small specialist team in the Pacific Northwest is the leading supplier of Japanese relief tools for printmakers in the U.S. and abroad, whose primary purpose is to help you find the materials and support you need to reach your printmaking goals. Our editor, Timothy Pauschak's two favorite tools are his Fotatsu Waru Sankakuto 3mm V-gouge and his Josue Maruto 1mm U-gouge, both from McLean's. But you don't have to take our word for it because these tools speak for themselves, and head on over to McLean's at imaclean's.com to find your new favorite tool and keep on carving. My guest this week is Alexander Mladenovic. We talk about coming up in the 1980s art scene of Belgrade, the creative and destructive forces of punk rock, how to give yourself some artistic R&R after a big project, and how he learned that Sid Vicious could really play the guitar after all. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to never mind the bullocks, with Alexander Mladenovic. Hi, Leka. How's it going? Hey, hi, Miranda. It's going well. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so happy to get a chance to talk to you. I was introduced to your work by a student, and I was really taken with it and just excited to talk to you and, and hear your story of printmaking and talking to a, a printmaker in the Balkans. I'm not sure we've done that yet. So you're helping <laughs> us expand the print world that we've covered. Well, so thank you. Nice. Thank you. I'm really excited too. So we're talking, you are in Santa Fe. I'm in Belgrade, several thousand kilometers in distance. And I'm very happy because the printmaking community is really a global one and abroad. We kind of have this kind of like a friendship, even though we didn't met. Yet. Yeah, not yet. But yeah. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Hopefully we will one day. That would be great. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. So before I get into the autobiographical and the practice questions and all of that, mm -hmm. I always ask my guests to introduce themselves by just answering the who you are, where you are. What you do, questions. All right. That's really a philosophical question. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, well, my name, my name is Alexander Modenovic, and my artist's name is A.M., or Amaleka, which I invented 30 years ago. It's a long journey. I started really young. And I'm living in Belgrade, which is my hometown in Serbia. And I'm practicing a printmaker, painter, mostly working in hybrid uh, techniques nowadays. And I'm also a professor at Faculty of Fine Arts, uh, where I'm teaching uh, printmaking and drawing in Belgrade. Wonderful. And at what university? This is University of Arts in Belgrade. Oh, it's okay. That's the name of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's Faculty of Fine Arts. We have big University of Belgrade, which are sciences, etc., and we have a uh, University of Arts, and we got our kind of independence in 1973. So I am uh, on the scene uh, of uh, the art world uh, already three, three decades, yes. And so you said that Belgrade was your hometown, is your hometown. So yeah, yeah, sure, can, yeah. yeah, can you tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up there and 
what was the role of art in that part of your life? Well, thank you for, for asking me this, because when I was a, a small kid, like 10 years old, uh, my parents took me to one printmaking workshop. It was a long time ago. It was in 1977. And there was the guy who looked like from Gilbert Shelton's Freak Brothers guy, like hippie, uh-huh. a guy, very charismatic. And that's how I felt in love with printmaking. We, we were doing uh, liner cuts, large size liner cuts. And then I went with my sister, who is two years older, to that school. So I, I became a like, print enthusiast from my age of uh, 10. It's how, how, how I fell in love with the art of printmaking. And we usually met uh, this guy uh, who I met later. He was professor at the faculty where I'm teaching now, Stevan Knežević. Uh, and he was always in the company of uh, lovely girls. So uh-huh. I thought, okay, artist life is so cool. So uh, I'm going that way. Definitely. So, uh, Not the first <laughs> yeah. or the last young man to notice that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yes. It's, it's, it has his ups and downs, but ups are, are more often than, than downs. Yeah. So then I was uh, going to, we had this, it was secondary school, so we had the, to, uh, to choose science or art. So I was late to apply for art. So I, I had this uh, diploma of being technician for molecular bio- biology and whatever. So I decided not going to science and apply to try to apply to printmaking uh, at uh, Faculty of Fine Arts. So it went well. So uh, it was in 1986 when I enrolled the Bachelor of Arts in printmaking. When I finished, it was 94. It was a really tough decade because it was uh, sanctions towards Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. etc. It was kind of heavy in uh, in uh, financial way but uh, it was kind of also art was uh, one of the tools how to escape some tough what to say spirit of the time mm-hmm. and then I, I i was i was for a decade decade i was freelance artist so i applied to be assistant in 1999 and uh, until then i'm working in the education yeah. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to just the art scene in general in Belgrade in the 1980s. I feel like I associate that time and that place, as you mentioned, so much of this this change and this transition and, of course, communism and the sanctions. Could you just paint us a picture of what that experience was like? Because I feel like it's very specific human experience to have mm, yeah it, 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 it was fun and tough at the same time so what you mentioned we had this alternative scene which started in 80s mm-hmm. it was very vivid the, the punk rock and everything and i was also fascinated by, by punk since i heard the sex pistols album yeah and then it was like 80s it was like kind of renaissance and it was good i think globally it was good everywhere until the end of 80s and then all the like global stuff became uh, a little bit tougher. Mm. So art was a way to escape from so from some daily troubles. And well, when you when you're young, you don't you don't need too much. You know, uh, you need to a place to to sleep, to to eat something, and then you need uh, your your friends, girlfriend, whatever. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit like, I think that it, it marked all my career because I was in a way hardworking and lazy at the same time. <laughs> so from time to time, I was really not going out of, of the, the workshop. Then well, suddenly I'm going to basketball and play it all day long or whatever. And it was kind of this like changing, changing the atmosphere of the workshop and, and having fun because you have to have fun if you want to survive. Mm. So it was, and the art scene was, uh, even even while, uh, when I was younger, art, art scene in Belgrade was uh, very interesting. So uh, it was, uh, there was independent scene in the framework of Student Cultural Center, where all these uh, alternative guys, uh, performance artists, like, how to say, uh, dissidents or whatever, mm-hmm. they yeah. found their, like, like, niche, and you have this, like, mainstream, then you had the exhibition, a really good exhibition coming from a group. And uh, Yugoslavia is a uh, non-aligned country. It was uh, open. So you, you met all people like from West and from East. Mm. So it, it was really, really good, uh, like uh, utopia in, in that time. And then the 90s were, were, were tough, all this uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. 
Then afterwards, we we entered to the year 2000, and I, I think that it became like, I don't know why, I, I don't like to, to comment politics and just say stay, stay away, but it came like a, all way around is mostly the same. Mm. You have the fashion is the same worldwide and and, and also our art scene, I think it's so dispersed and which is also good. That you cannot uh, say, say now it's like a sign of the times uh, scenery because you have this and that, you have hybrid, you have alternative, you have mainstream, and I think it's good. And Belgrade it was always always a good place for art. I think I definitely associate it with that. It's I've I've never gotten a chance to travel there, but I I feel like I have kind of a maybe a romantic view of the city and, and of its history and, and of the art that, that comes out of it. It's, it's sort of up there for me, I think, in the cities I think about when I think about the interesting art scenes and the dynamic art scenes of the world. And so I love the ways in which printmaking intersects with the music scene, because you definitely get that. And I think I associate particularly with punk rock. I mean, you, you mentioned the Sex Pistols earlier, and you think yeah. about even their logo. I mean, it looks like yeah, like little best. cutouts, printed matter that's been repurposed. Mm. And so there is that sense of, uh, of, of collage and of creativity and of kind of a roughness. And yeah, DIY, DIY. Yeah, okay. yes, exactly. And so you're, you're into printmaking, you're into punk rock. Can you talk about the ways in which they intersected? And I think everybody thinks about gig posters and that sort of thing too. But mm. what was it for you? Well, for me, it was what you mentioned, uh, the Nevermind the Bollocks mm. cover art for, uh, for Sex Pistols. So I was, uh, I was like uh, 12 years or 11 years. So my best friend uh, brought a record from France. And I was amazed with uh, this uh, graphics. And I'm still at uh, uh, It's a revolutionary thing. To have these so-called ugly day glow inks on the on the cover art and the cutout words, which was uh, like afterwards you you learn about situationism and Guy Debord, but uh, then you realize it's something new, it's something really revolutionary. So I felt in love with the punk. I went to like this was like the year zero, which was uh, kind of later than in England or, or states, uh, but it it was kind of alternative uh, society we had. Of young people, and we gathered around parks, having booze, going to gigs, and mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. So it was like at, at that time I was like part-time punk. So I was very good at school, but in the, <laughs> I was like a small Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah. And I, I was finished finished my uh, homework, then going out with with these guys who will, it's it's they're not delinquents, but it's on the edge in the mm. evening. So mm-hmm. you, you, you have the, the, the red hairspray and your leather jacket, badges or, or pins, like you say in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of very, 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 very nice, uh, how to say. Well, in the age of the, the youth, the youth was very, very, very inspira- inspira- inspirational to me. Yeah. In both, both meanings, like art and the graphic arts of punk and then also living this, this story at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then later, uh, I still uh, felt uh, connected to punk. So uh, my doctorate in arts was early punk and hybrid print. And I had this uh, co- cooperation with some of the first punk uh, rockers from UK, like Big Good Art from the Subway Set. So we made a common common project much, much afterwards in 2015. Oh, cool. Can you talk about that a bit more? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2006, I made uh, an exhibition of large-scale canvases, which are made in painting, painting and uh, silkscreen, and some transfer techniques, which were dedicated to some uh, favorite musicians of mine. Mm. And uh, one of them uh, was uh, Vic Godard, who was uh, into punk, like one of the first in this year zero, like Sex Pistols and Clash, mm-hmm. with uh, his band uh, Subway Sex. And some other, and then he turned out to be a, a like swing musician in 1978. He was a very like trendsetter, much before style council, post punk, new wave, etc. So I so I said sent him a catalog, and he offered me to make some cover artworks from for his uh, compilations. So I made this and sent him, and he released this uh, like Big Odard and Subway Set Volume One, Rare and Live, something like that. And then after this, I started my doctorate. It was, I think, in the uh, year 2008. 
And uh, it was called Early Punk and Hybrid Print. Mm. Because these are two, the, the two loves of my life in a way of then speaking or art, art and creation. And I was I chose three fonts to be like referential. One from, from Sadusect by Be Good Art, one from the prefix, it was a VD, and a third from the Slits, the all female band. Mm -hmm. But this third, I, I didn't put in my, my, my doctorate thesis and, and work because uh, at the time, same time, Arya, the singer of the Slits, passed away. Mm. So I decided to stick to these two songs. Uh, and uh, I sent to, to Vigo Dart. He, he helped me a lot and to uh, figure out uh, the chords of the guitars, uh, etc. Because these works of my doctorate were like visual chords. Mm -hmm. So you have to you have to read uh, all these these works at the same time and and uh, to have like to figure out like music. It was like a very ambitious uh, uh, project. And when I finished this in 2014, Vic said, uh, Vic said uh, "Well, uh, do you want to make some corp cooperative uh, project again?" I said, "Well, why not?" And and we said, "Okay, what 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 shall we do?" And I said, okay, we can do this. We choose 12 songs of yours, spanned from like 40 years of your opus, from punk to jazz to nowadays, and I make the prints. And she said, okay, that's that sounds good. And how, how should we call it? And he said, let's call it uh, Like a Week, like our, our artist names. Yeah. I said, okay, it's not fair because uh, these are your songs, so let's call it Week Leica. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, and then he sent me a, a handwritten lyrics from 1976, like from year zero. Punk, oh, very to, cool. Uh, 2011. And I decided to scan these and to make my visual answers to songs. And it was like, it was it lasted one year. I was really working hard on this. And in 2015, we made an art box with the total of 24 prints, which were I printed in lithography and silk screen. He's uh, handwritten the lyrics and my prints. And he said, okay, I will release uh, a CD. So he released a CD uh, yeah, called Dick Lecker. So I suddenly became part of music industry. <laughs> in the panel of the music industry. And he called it like Rare Recordings Volume 3. So we put this, we put a show in Belgrade first, is in Gallery Ozone. And he came to the opening, even though at the, at the same time there was a documentary, Derailed Senses, about Subway Sack and him. The premiere was uh, in London that uh, day, but he came to Belgrade uh, for our Vernissage. Mm. And it was very exciting, very, very well accepted, kind of something new, like uh, intersection, what you mentioned, between uh, visual arts and, and music. And in 2017, we made the same in London, but in my opinion, uh, improved. Because he made a concert of all the songs with his band at the opening. So we had uh, members of Sex Pistols coming. Uh, somebody saw uh, Tracy Amin also in the audience. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also the guys from this first wave of punk. So it was really exciting to have in London such an exhibition and uh, an opening. It was mad, really. Uh, I bet. Really, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So that was, that was one, one enjoyable project. And when you have this intense project like this, afterwards you fall in some crisis. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out what to do next. So, so afterwards I needed one, maybe half a year to recover mm. and start again, which is always like this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can speak to a little bit more of that process of being inspired by the music and taking music, which of course is an audio way that we interface with art and creation in the world and actually translating it into a visual medium in a meaningful way and and what is your thought process around that and and how do you what kind of standard do you hold yourself to when you're sort of going through that oh good so it's a good and, and very heavy question yeah <laughs> uh, posing because but my doctor helped me helped me out Mm. I thought this was rubbish, you know. I needed for the job to to be able to teach, mm -hmm. and I was sure to to be required to make my doctorate. Mm -hmm. But the first time, I was very hesitating about this. But then I, I saw the good side of it because we are thinking in the uh, visual language, and you need also a verbal language 
I'm not going to science now or anything, but it helps you out to figure out what is your goal for your project and to also consider literature, mm. listening to, because my, my, my thesis was linked to music. So I, I, I was reading a lot, lot. Lot, lot, everything I could find, and also I started also to learn, learn to play guitar because I'm not oh, really? don't have any music music experience. So at the age of forty something, I <laughs> took some some lessons to to understand like the emotion when you play this very simple three chord punk song. Mm, what's mm-hmm. what what is what it is like? So it was, and I'm I'm listening to music all day long, all my life. So falling asleep with music, uh, listening to music in studio. So I'm really getting inspired. I'm inspired by everything, but music is something uh, really special. And uh, my wife, Alexandra, and myself, we are doing uh, some covers from for a small company, a Tiny Global, Tiny Global Productions, yes. So when I got to the music, I listened a listened lot to music and then tried to, how do you say, to put this atmosphere into a visual language. Yeah. So so it, it's it's... I think it's successful. It's it's not modest to say, but I think that I, I could really convey this, this emotion or, or well, emotion is the the, the the most important thing in in, in art. So mm-hmm. I think it's well. There's a lot of time to to discover more. So I am also working now on a new exhibition, which is called Unpainted Heroes and Heroines, which mm-hmm. is also inspired by punk. Yeah. So we'll see how it, how it uh, go in September. Yeah. Did learning to play the music or, or taking on that task of learning the guitar, did it really inform you in terms of the visual art making as well? Did that change your perspective significantly or was it more just sort of like a, a step on the way? To be honest, a step on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is not so creative, you know. You have to write this song and to uh, this is the creation. Yeah. To write down and, and perform, perform. If you just perform, I think it's just secondhand. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I can definitely well, but, see uh, but that. It was, it was nice, yes. So I, I, I think that everything you, you can learn and make some skills, it is good for you. Mm. So I don't, uh, well, I think it's, it was, but you, you, you made a point. It was just a step on. on yeah, the yeah, yeah. Part of the all the information gathering. And I, I that's think right. that's something that people don't, necessarily know about art making if they haven't done it or really engaged in it is that it's a form of research you know to really take on a project i mean it's 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 you as you said you you look into the archives you absorb as much as you can you try different things and and Mm. all of it informs the outcome maybe in ways that you don't even actually directly see in the end but it's all a step on the way to creating something that's successful for sure and you have to try many different things to figure out what that path forward is because the act of creation is something new you don't know how to go there no one's gone there before you know that's right yeah yeah i'm hoping too you could speak more to that process of recovery that you talked about, how you you, know, you had to take half a year off before you could take something else on, because that is also mm. such a significant part of the art world that people sometimes don't give themselves the grace to do that. And, and part of that is the culture of the art world. I mean, as you know, as an artist, you'll be standing in an exhibition opening that could represent years of work, and someone will come up to you and be like... So, Lekka, what's next? You know, and you're like, you're like, can I just have this for a minute? You know, because there's always that pressure as artists to be making and doing, and you know, what yeah. are you doing next? And so, how do you recover after these really ambitious projects in a way that that does sort of refill the cup that you can then go on to do something yeah. else? Well, with the lifetime experience, I know when I finish something. I'll be void for some time. Mm. So when I got my diploma, I was void, like a crisis, creative crisis, something. And then I'm now I'm prepared to that. So when you have you, when you feel fulfilled or something, you expect something else afterwards. So I'm prepared to that. So I'm I didn't take my time off. So I, I'm always working something and producing and or thinking or whatever. So I decided several years ago to make some series of works that I will work occasionally, not just like a mainstream at the, t- the same time, but something that is like a parallel path. So I'm working that with a, without a big ambition. Mm. So that's how I recover. 
And then yeah. suddenly I got the inspiration or whatever and feel enthusiastic with another project and start again. Mm. And when you finish, you know, what? You, you always ask yourself, could I make it different? Could it make it better or whatever? And then I think that when I finish this, this doctorate, I thought I will do it. If I make it again, I will do it completely different. So, but with, with this Vic Leica, it's different because it's a cooperation project. Yeah. So you're not alone. So you're not alone and it's a kind of a relief because you're not engaged 100% in an emotional way. So it's like in, I, I think it's healthier for an artist. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, art, art making can be really isolating and that's mm -hmm. draining. You know, like like for for a lot of people, you know, we we can feed on the energy of others, and so having a collaborator can be sure. really nice. Yeah, for sure. Mm, yeah. Um, so when I was doing some research into your project, into your practice, leading up to this interview, I came across some writing about the last traditional print in the world, oh. which <laughs> I first of all just love mm -hmm. as a name. <laughs> Because in part yeah. for mm -hmm. me, you know, being in the printmaking world, and I'm sure for you too, you know, there's constantly this narrative of, well, printmaking is really dying out, isn't it? And you're like, not from where I'm standing, but, <laughs> mm -hmm. but maybe could you, could you talk about that project? Well, to be honest, uh, I think I'm witty in my titles. <laughs> uh -huh. So this was kind of wit. It was not, not meant to be so serious. So, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, then Richard Noyce, Richard Noyce uh, who is a very known critic of printmaking, he made uh, several books concerning uh, contemporary printmaking. I sent this print and some other to one exhibition. It was uh, this biennial in, or triennial in Krakow. And he was in jury. And he said, I love this. I like this title. When we met, we, he went to some conference in Belgrade. I said, well, okay, it was meant to be. It was like pretentious title. You have to catch, catch yeah, this title. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but it's also, even though it's, it, I, I tried to be humorous and witty, I think it's, it's, it's true. We are like, and I'm also a little bit heretic in, the, in this printmaking world. I like the tradition, but I like also the new stuff. So I think that some, some things are dying and you have a new life coming from it. So you have a, and it's always a really a temptation and how to, how to express yourself in traditional technique, but to say something new or to be like contemporary and also think about past. And these things, I think, matches very well. And this, 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 this particular print, and it also like, it's very dark, have some metaphysical atmosphere. Mm. And it was a part of like, I was doing at, at that time a series called Printed Matter. Mm -hmm. And this is like a meditation about what's making nowadays, which no, nobody can answer. Of course. <laughs> of course. But that was the question I was posing to myself and trying to, uh, to make some, some comments, not the answers because it's impossible. But questions and comments, yes. Mm. Yeah, that's a good segue to my next question I wanted to ask was, you referred to your practice as hybrid printmaking throughout our conversation. And I'm hoping you can speak to what do you mean by that? And what does that mean to you? Like, what makes it hybrid versus traditional or hybrid versus non-hybrid? Well, I'm looking at the moment at a book in my library, which is called Printmaking by Beth Grabowski and Bill Thick. Mm -hmm. It is called Printmaking, a Complete Guide to Materials and Processes. Yeah, that's a classic. And, uh, yeah, that's a classic. And uh, but my 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 vision of hybrid is not the same as as there. As I think that hybrid is everything that is interdisciplinary. So it's not just like painting and 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 print making, but also if you if you involve music, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's how I found find out. But and you, you and it's also the free form of of doing prints. It's, it's not just mixed media or co mixed techniques. It's kind of like a philosophical attitude to printmaking. Hmm. Mm -hmm. To be like uh, like to have some to give yourself more freedom in expressing yourself using print as a medium. Well, that's how I found it. I think that the way you talk about that it reminds me a bit of at least what I associate as philosophies in punk rock, this idea that 
you know, Sid Vicious can't really play the guitar and we like it that way. You know, this idea of like, it doesn't need to fit within the structure that we've sort of been told before. It can actually have off registration or it can it can mm-hmm. talk to other media or it can be unique or and it doesn't have to be additioned perfectly and signed in a certain way and yet that is intrinsic to its value rather than something to be critical mm-hmm. of yeah Oh, great. I have to write down what you said and steal for some statement. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Yes, no, go but, for it. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's uh, first, Vico Dar told me, he, he learned the first chords from Steve Dishes and Joe Strummer. Oh, yeah? And he wasn't, well, it's like like urban legend. He, he knew to play Steve Dishes. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And that's what Vico Dar said. He learned the first chords from him. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, according to some stories, when he got uh, Ramon's uh, first album, in one night uh, he learned to play all the songs. So it's kind of like a popular culture thing. But it's all right. And, but the, the more, uh, more important thing that you mentioned, the like, value of print registration, everything, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that's what, what, what is meant to be. Yeah. Mm, well, yeah. I, I, li- I, I like to see the perfectly executed print, which I I'm maybe will be able or not uh, to to uh, produce. I like also this, but I also like uh, the spirit when you're, it's not perfect, it's not edition, it's and it's it's kind of like really poesis, uh, what the old Greek uh, philosophers mentioned, how to convey uh, like spiritual words into material uh, mm. uh, thing or uh, the, the work of art. And you got it right. Yes, yes, you got to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that I've always found with punk rock and also the people who are really drawn to it is it's people who think and feel really deeply. And that catharsis of the energy and the emotion in the music is such a lifeblood, I think, to people who do think and feel deeply because it's a it's a difficult world to think and feel deeply in. There's a lot to be upset about and to be and to think about in a way that that if you think about it too much it 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 has kind of a chaotic effect i think on yeah. being a person and that energy the way that gets conveyed in in punk rock is healing in its own way yeah yeah, mm. yeah. i don't i i cannot add, add anything <laughs> Yes, it's a really, really, really something. But also in punk, well, I was now preparing for, for our talk and trying to re- relax. Mm. I was in studio, studio working something, and I was listening to some. I don't. I, I won't mention the name of the band, but I listened to some live recordings, which was Solus, and some recordings from the studio, which has this what you mentioned, catharsis, mm. Mm. something mm-hmm. inspirational. And that's now. There's a very good book. I haven't read it yet. But it's about my favorite musician. It's John McGilk from uh-huh. magazine and Susan Pashis. And it's called The Life Forced Out of Me after mm. the magazine song. That was the guy who knew how to convey, uh, because he was painter also. He knew how to convey uh, uh, some pictures uh, into music. And mm. vice versa, it's, it's really important to uh, try to find uh, the way to... Because, you know, what? these are the same, uh, same thing, music and visual arts. Also, the terms are the same. You have a composition, you have rhythm, you have mm-hmm. color, color, and onics, everything. And what you mentioned about punk, really some, some, some things that you hear, like uh, Sex Pistols, Anarchy in UK, Clash, Buzzcocks, whatever. And also, interestingly, Buzzcocks songs uh, are really about uh, love, which was very, yeah. very odd, odd in, in punk. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, something that that uh, inspires you and and uh, wake up some energy. Yeah, still after forty plus years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I was sitting in my my podcasting studio, just my my closet. So it's kind of funny. It's it's a good reason why we don't use video in this because it's just you know yeah. me sitting in a dark room with my clothes behind Likewise. me. But Likewise. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's you know the best the best sound you can get of course and so I was sitting in here waiting for the the hour mark when we were going to start chatting and I was looking on Instagram and and someone sent me a, a actually the co-host of this of this podcast Ronaldo he sent me a a reel an Instagram reel and it was set to that just those opening chords of 
of Straight to Hell by The Clash. <laughs> and just you just hear, you know, it's just I, I just wanted to run away and go listen to it on full volume right away. You know, it's like yeah, sure, it's it sure. just has this the as you say, like this this incredible life force and and staying power because you know we're we're still in a world where things are difficult and hard and 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 the people who who offer us that that gift of something that makes you makes you f- feel like someone out there also is feeling the same anger and looking at the world critically and expecting better of the world is is powerful and i i think that people sometimes associate punk rock with nihilism but it's it's actually for me always an observation of i'm pointing this out as negative because i believe that there's an alternative yeah of course yeah yeah so well, it's it's always uh, like a dualistic way of seeing things but also in punk you have your creation and also have a destruction which, which is but this a creative part uh, has existed uh, since now so it's, mm. it's kind of stronger, stronger thing. Uh, nobody's talking, because I think that I, I read recently, I was in, because uh, for my new project, I, I was uh, talking, uh, not talking, but exchanging emails with uh, Caroline Kuhn, mm. who was uh, also in hippie age and uh, in punk. And uh, I'm working on a series of paintings of the Slits members. Mm. So I talked to her and, and also read her, her statements and, and she's very bright. So she says that, that the punk, uh, the, the wrong thing in punk, they have chosen anarchism like ideology, ideology. Hmm. and it's strong because what you mentioned, nihilism. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was a, a way to shock. Uh, I think it's not philosophical um, in any 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 sense hmm. because nobody nobody knew. Even even Johnny Rotten didn't know what anarchy is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he liked the word, and and it's really anger. Anger, what, what he said, like anger is an energy way to release something and. And be creative in, in uh, even even your anger. Yeah? yeah, yeah. It reminds me of I, I was I don't remember who I was listening to. I think maybe it was a, a a Buddhist scholar, and they were talking about how in in the U.S. particularly we believe that negative emotions are are really bad. Like we shouldn't have them. You know, I mean, imagine. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy, right? It's this prosperous land. The streets are paved with gold. Everything's great. But in in other cultures outside of the States, the idea of, of discomfort and the idea of anger can be seen as a really an energy, as something that that can excite change and is therefore doesn't necessarily have a negative value to it. It actually is just a, a neutral energy that's supposed to be used as a catalyst for evolution. Mm-hmm. And and that that even if the people who are sparking that fire don't really understand where it's going, they're just expressing what they're feeling, that it almost doesn't matter because that, that can then spread and become, you know, become a critique of the royalists of the UK, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I was uh, thinking, like, I met a lot of American, uh, I have lots of American people in uh, France, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always thinking about this question, how was your day? What, what you <laughs> is it really honest or is it just a form? Yeah. But, uh, you know, having a smile on your face is also very good because mm-hmm. you will have also, like, somatic answer. Yes. You will be happier, and on the other, and the, on the other hand, it is very, very, very difficult to transform anger and negative energy into creation. Mm. It often it results in destruction, but mm. in some form of arts that are like self healing, I think it's really good if you know how to own this. So you have these German expressionists or whatever, which were very angry, and the art forms were made of of this how to, to express myself in English they were they were not satisfied they were uh, also you have this uh, Dada part of uh, Zurich and uh, Switzerland which mm-hmm. were very political political yeah. uh, opposed to aesthetical uh, French that is so you have uh, two ways to tell something uh, nice and be aesthetic or to be ang- angry and also produce something uh, well nice in a way because uh, not all the all the the art works that you are re- reacting that positively 
are nice. So you have Goya, you have uh, mm-hmm. you have everything you know in art history, and also in in punk, you have this punk uh, section like Crass, Crass, Boys and Girls, mm-hmm. which is very dark uh, in uh, in art form. Also, this post-punk gothic. Well, it's kind of fashion fashionable, but anyway, you can also express uh, that that way too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's a really interesting point about the, you know, anger, in art and in music. It mm. can be a creative force, but it can also be the, the fire that burns down the forest that, then you know, has to plant the the, the seeds after that too. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. I I want to make sure that we have time to to talk about your new exhibition that you mentioned that's opening. In September and in September, yeah, yeah. Please, what what are you working on for that? And well, well, yeah, I, I thought that I I finished with punk, but not. <laughs> and this exhibition will be the most punk exhibition of myself and the last one. <laughs> so because, punk uh, punk is not finished with you then, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I cannot escape. So so I I always make the exhibitions which are kind of compilations like retrospective something related to some with big with, with one with the weekend uh, but this one I decided to to make from the from the scratch and I wonder what what I will do and I went through different phases through my career I started which is very odd like with the metaphysics and the Georgia de Kirico influence when I was young but it was was like a depressing time of 90s. Mm. And then I went to a punk, which is like youth subculture or culture. And then I decided to dedicate this exhibition to uh, mankind, which mm. is kind of like pretentious. But uh, And I, I, I started to uh, work with one painting. It was a portrait of Nancy, Thomas Mansford, uh, the leader of Angelic Absurds. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the uh, first this painting. And and it is a light, large scale, uh, two meters. So it's like, and I, I sent to him uh, the, the thought. And he did like it very much because it, it's like it the spirit of him himself. And he died two months after I finished this painting mm. and after we chat. So it was very sad, and I, it, but made me, made me strong stronger to finish this, this series. So the, uh, the series is called like Unsung. This is called Unpainted uh, Heroes and Heroines. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like a heroes like ideology or uh, you know what I mean. It's it's kind of uh, more like a metaphor. So everyone could be a hero, and everyone has that. I, I also read in recently um, in some movie. You need just wait your your time, and everyone could be hero. So huh. I took some some I took some some persons, and the easier was to find in punk. So I took Caroline Kuhn, mentioned already, mm-hmm. Vic Goddard, and uh, Rob Simmons from mm-hmm. Subway Sex. Mm-hmm. And then the, the member of the band Slits, then Mansi, who I mentioned. And uh, I have uh, the fir- for my fourth uh, work on John McGill uh, working now. And it's always it's funny because uh, this is uh, how uh, the art makes you young. Hmm. It's uh, all, like you are reborn again. No, uh, you're starting from scratch and uh, doing all the all your your best to uh, to be honest, which is really really hard because in in art we are we have also to pretend. You know, uh, you have like this figure or public figure, whatever. And then I thought uh, this one one I will really dedicate to mankind, and I will, and the titles are very important to me. Hmm. So the the one with Nancy is called uh, Men. After Tony Girardi photo, and then Carolyn Kuhn is a, a woman for all ages hmm. because she was in hippie and and punk, and she's now also very active. She was all, always an activist and artist, very productive artist. And I have these members of the all female band, the Slits, mm-hmm. who are, uh, somehow somehow they don't have the, the respectful and estimated place even in punk history yeah. because they're, they're, they're all female band, multicultural uh, reggae influence, and etc., etc. And Kelly Kuhn uh, uh, became a clash manager because, and you have all these links that uh, arrived spontaneously. And I said, okay, okay. And uh, I said, my title not, not be just like it's portrait of this and that, you know. And she said, okay, uh, why don't you uh, give a title for my portrait, Revolution uh, Within a Revolution. Hmm. I said, okay, sounds good. And this is what, what uh, punk professor Vivian Goldman, uh, who is uh, teaching the punk uh, at uh, New York University, mm-hmm. she uh, she uh, wrote about Palmoy that on her site. And I said, I like this one. So, uh, for example, Palmoy is a revolution uh, within a revolution. Aryap is a punky ragged uh, princess. 
and then we have a Sotaf, which is a Vivalbertin, and so on. So I got like title like this. It's not just like this person or. But uh, my association and the metaphor of how I see, because some of them I know are like uh, Vic Godard and Rob Simmons, and we were friends. And for example, Vic Godard is uh, a friend, a cult figure. And then we have uh, Rob Simmons, uh, who is a magician, a punk rock gentleman, and mm. so on. So it's, uh, like, it's like a personification and also portraits of existing uh, or, or people who uh, has passed uh, away. Yeah. And where will it be exhibited? Well, so far, I got two, two uh, very good galleries in uh, Serbia. One is the Gallery of Contemporary Art in Panchevo, which is a town in uh, Serbia. And the other one is uh, in Belgrade. It is uh, Gallery Uz, mm. which is Association of Serbian Visual Arts, in, also in September, one after the other. And then right. I, will see, I will see what will happen next. Yeah. Wonderful. Series, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I did want to ask you, too, so a lot of... The listeners to the podcast are, we get a lot of students, which is great, which is wonderful. But that means that there are people who listen to the podcast who not only weren't alive in the 80s, but maybe not even alive in the 90s. <laughs> and I'm, I'm an 80s baby myself. So I, I you know, I, I grew up with, you know, we, I had parents who were really into music, you know, so we, we had, oh, yeah. we had punk rock on vinyl and it was great. So if someone's listening to this and, and they're not, familiar with punk, but you've you've inspired them, I'm sure, from just the, the way you speak about it and, of course, the connection to history. What would be a couple essential albums that they could... I'm sure they'd go to... I would say go to the record store, but that, again, shows I'm mm-hmm. an 80s baby. But that they could, they yeah. could put into Spotify and kind of yeah. start to get a feel for what we're talking about. Well, of course. Uh, the Bible is uh, Sex Pistols. Never mind the box. Yeah. Uh, you used to fight. You, you had the uh, Clash and Sex Pistols fans. I was also Sex Pistols one. Uh, but I liked also the Clash. So you have uh, Sex Pistols, of course, to Never Mind the Box. Mm. Ramones. Ramon's first album, yeah. first three albums, of course, it's, it's seminal. And, well, I don't like these words, but it all started there. Mm. And what else? From, uh, from American bands, I will recommend television, mm-hmm. first album, of course. Then, well, let me, let me think. The Slits, The Cut, mm-hmm. which was released in 79, much after they, they recorded it. And also, for, also Damned, yes, uh, the first album, Dem Dem Damned. Well, I will, I, will, I will start with this year zero on acts. And then also to research Vico Darwin's Subway Stack, because they had the first punk, and then they went into jazz and mm. swing, and mm-hmm. then something else, which is very interesting for, for, for a band to evolve like this. You know. Yeah. What what else should be good? Well, oh, I was thinking, also like. Uh, oh, I was going to say. I feel like we haven't talked about the Dead Kennedys at all. Are they? Oh yes. yeah. 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 You know, I I, I met uh, Joe Biafra. Yeah, Dead Kennedys. That's right. Well, I somehow somehow I skipped all this like second wave. Part. Right. Right. <laughs> and these are very important ones. And uh, I was happy to uh, see uh, Joe Biafra and his uh, Guantanamo School of Medicine. Uh, and they played, believe believe or not, 500 meters from my uh, my home. Oh my gosh! In some some hall, it was 13 years ago. So I I used to chat a little bit with him, and he was really really even in his uh, well, I don't know how old is he, but it was a uh, full filler and energy. There was a uh, butthole surfers playing uh-huh. his band, and it's really uh, brilliant. And that kind of is really, it's, it's something really important. Uh, it's historical, you know. Yeah. And it still sounds good. And it does. It's guitar, I don't know the name, East Bay or Ray or something. Mm-hmm. You know, California, Ibarras and whatever. Yeah. Chemical Warfare. Well, there are a lot of, this, this album, it was called, uh, now I am, uh, fresh, uh, fresh Fruit from uh, for Rotten, Rotten Vegetables. vegetables. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and, and what was uh, curious, it was released in the UK for uh, Cherry Red Records. Mm. In I think seventy nine, they had the year to to rec- recognize uh, the good bands, and, and that categories are really really brilliant one. Yeah, great. Well, is is there anything else kind of on the horizon you're looking forward to that you want want to share with the listeners? That is yeah something exciting. Well, I I, I I'm really really excited to talk about nice things like yeah. we do now. Yeah. I think that, uh, that we all, all should well, all, all should imagine the better world. 
I yeah. think. Yeah. And this is the most exciting thing for me. I know. And, uh, not 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 think about past and just start from scratch. And um, and if we all imagine a better world, we will live in one like this. You no, know? that's yeah. what I'm excited. And I'm now I'm 55, and I changed a lot. <laughs> so I think that the most valuable thing, and it's not I think a phrase. It's something that the hippie guys believe, like <laughs> love, love, and, uh, and uh, friendship and peace. Uh, well, this, these are these are the free, free, free stuff, and we, we all, all uh, lack like them now. Mm, yeah, I I totally you agree. Know, art, art, art is really something brilliant for for creative people and, and lovers. So it's mm-hmm. kind of you can escape to to art and or or express yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's. The, the perfect note to wrap up our, our conversation on. I can't think of a better one. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for, for oh, talking you. with me. This has been so fun. And as you say, that the print world is an international one. And, yeah. you know, we already have friends in common with, you know, Mr. Bill Lagatuda. And, and so I, I hope yeah. that we get a chance Stefan to meet. from Montreal, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I chat with you, uh, like uh, we know for ages, but, and, and and this is what is nice to for for print world, you know, mm, to re- recognize uh, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. So, just yeah, thank you, and and please stay in touch, and I'll I'll let you know when I've got a release date for our conversation, and mm. yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to collaborate some way again in the future. That would be really fun. Looking forward to it, and thank you very much, Miranda, for inviting you uh, for inviting me to your your podcast. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you and I'm looking forward to the next uh, opportunity. Yes, me too. Let's stay in touch and and have a wonderful rest of your day. Sure. You yourself too. Uh, Have a a nice day. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you liked today's episode, we have a Patreon where you can help us keep the lights on and get bonus content. Like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor, Timothy Pauschak, digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with past guests. Also, if monetary support isn't in the cards right now, you can leave a review for us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or buy something from one of our sponsors and tell them Hello Print Friends sent ya. As always, though, the very best thing you can do to support this podcast is by listening and sharing with your fellow print friends around the world. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be returning Hello Print Friend champion, Ben Moynos. We'll get caught up on what Ben's been up to since July of 2019. I mean, what, have things been going on or something since then? But we also have a very exciting announcement for you, print friends, and you'll just have to tune in next week to find out more. This episode, like all episodes, is written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.